Let's get real. Welcome to TBC Today. This podcast features friends in and around the Triad Baptist Church community. Hear encouraging real-life stories from our weekly guests and inspiring insights from our host, Pastor Rob. To learn more about Triad Baptist Church in Kernersville, North Carolina, visit us online at tbcnow.org. Welcome to today's episode of TBC Today, where Pastor Rob has conversations with people in our church and around our community. Today, we're excited to have as our guest, Tan Lynn. And Tan's been at our church now for several years. In fact, he's one of the leaders of our deaf ministry here at the church. And if you'd like to learn more about our deaf ministry, visit us online at tbcnow.org. Now, if you're listening to this, we've got a special guest interpreter. Melissa Hagler is our ASL interpreter, and we're grateful to have her here with us today. And if you're watching this on YouTube, of course, you'll get to see all four faces this time. So Pastor, I was going to have a little conversation with Tan and just see um, how the Lord has used his life and where the Lord has taken, brought him from. And so Pastor Rob, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's get so real. So Son and Melissa, one thing, or Son, <laughs> that's the last group. Okay, uh, Tan and Melissa, what we usually do is we turn over the sands of time so we kind of keep ourselves on track. It's about a 30-minute segment, and so we want to try to do everything we can in that time. If we go over a little, that, that won't hurt us, but we'll try to stay close to that. Okay. Okay. All right. It's great to have you. We're so glad that you're here with us today, and we want to hear your story. And so we're going to start, we're just going to kind of let you start talking about uh, your early years, your birth, and some of the significant things that happened to you. We've done an article on you at the church, but we would like to really put this out on the podcast because it's absolutely amazing story of God's grace on your life. So we're just going to turn it over to you for a while and start talking. Okay. So is there anything specific you want to ask me? Where'd you grow up? Start with the beginning. Where did yeah. you grow up? Hi, my name is Tan Lynn, and I am deaf. I really started out hearing, and I grew up in Vietnam. I don't really remember where I was born. Um, they don't have anything specific, like where, like group or anything. So I was in a crib and look around. That's kind of like my earliest memory. So when I was about a teenager, teenager age, from baby from two to three, what had happened was... So a nurse had brought me into an area, and so when I was about two years old, I was standing in the crib looking out, and I stayed in that area until early teenage years, and then I moved into a different area because, of you know, walking cribs had a big table area, <laughs> and I would walk around. I was really young at that age. That's the youngest I remember was two, three, but specifically nothing uh, people would take food, drink. Man, I was really getting hungry. And I, w I was pretty starving. So I went to go get some food out of a bowl. So during this time, it was the Vietnam War, and there was a lot of things going on around us. But I remember one girl came into the room, and I was toddling along with her, and she's like, go away, go away. And there were bars, so I was trying to get through the area. And I was really, I was just trying to run away. And then I went into this big jungle area. I was trying to hide. And it was a long, long run for me. So I decided to go and try and hide in different areas within the jungle. 
I felt like I had my body, I, was, I felt like I was going to die. And there were lots of soldiers and dead bodies around me. So I continued to run and bombs started going off. So it was a lot of, um, so there were a lot of soldiers going around trying to kill each other. And one of the soldiers picked me up and ran with me out of that area. Finally, when we got out, I could see all the different trees and everything. And there were so many different soldiers. And I'm really thankful to, for that soldier because he saved my life. And when he put me down, I just passed out. I was so exhausted. And when I woke up, all I could see was white with a big red cross. And there was all these beds laying around me. So at that time, I was hearing up until that moment. But when the bombs went off, I lost, started to lose my hearing. And then I got sick. And that's how I became fully deaf. I decided later, I don't know, I was about... I just kind of followed around with a bunch of people and joined in with the Air Force. And there's all these people that just kind of flooded into an Air Force plane and we took off. I just followed around with them. How old are you now? You're still four. I was still four years old. At that time, I was four. When I flew over here, I was still four. When that gate closed on that plane, I felt so much peace. As we started to take off, I could see the trees and everything underneath us and see the airport. I could see everything out through there. Were you alone or did you have family? I never knew who my real parents were until I was 51, 52 years. When, so I didn't know who my parents were at all, even until recently. So anyways, so it was like a few days. So I, it had been a few days and we went ahead and changed planes and flew into California, and then we flew all the way over to Pennsylvania, and then we went to the other Air Force, became my home. Well, who's watching after you all this time? There was a Jewish family that was keeping a uh, watch out on me. On the plane? When I arrived in Pennsylvania, but, they were watching out for me. But from the time you got on that plane till you got to Pennsylvania, who's taking care of you, like a military soldier? And you can't talk to them? You can't communicate? You can't hear? It was just some woman some guy would take my arm and pull me around and show me and I couldn't communicate I had no language at that point nothing at all I was definitely language deprived at that point it was I went to a university specifically for deaf and that's where I got my education at, but at that point I had no language at, at five or whatever you went and got the language skill nope no, I didn't learn that until I was six. And it was very frustrating for a year, very frustrating from the age six to seven because it was hard for me. And my head behavior was not the best. I was emotionally and mentally scarred from that one. And and were you, like when you were on the plane, you said you felt peace getting out of Vietnam, but were you scared still? Because you can't talk to nobody. At that time, I remember I arrived in Florida with a Jewish family and I would, and I would try and sleep. I'd have horrible dreams, very bad dreams. I would go and get into my foster parents' bed, and they would take me back to my bed over and over again. I would try and hide in several different places throughout the house because I was so scarred from everything that had happened. And then I decided to go in. They decided to try and get me some help, some counseling. And then they took me to a deaf special education to try and help with my behavior, how I was acting, my trying to run away, my hiding. 
But with everything that happened to me since the moment I was born until then, it, it was a struggle. It was not until I was about six years old, my adopted parents found out what had happened with me when I was in Vietnam. They finally found out my real name is, they found out my real name was Tan. And they they didn't know how what to call me because of all of my behavior. I was so hyper. I could not sit still. I could not pay attention. My behavior was awful, and they just kind of accepted it. Accepted, then, accepted meaning did they love you and just care for you and were patient? Yes. They really had a hard time with me, especially learning ASL and with my behavior. And then they got an older brother who learned how to sign, and I was like, oh, somebody who matches me, that's awesome. And I felt so much relief. It's a sad story, yes, but my brother did pass away. My older brother passed away. And then my brother, my adoptive parents accepted my sister. And then they had a child of their own, a blood child of their own. That's really, I felt like I was alone because I was deaf and didn't have very many people to talk to. So the foster family adopted you, and that's who became your, your family all through t- until now? Do you grew up? Yeah, they foster parents uh, went ahead and adopted me, and they were my parents until I graduated high school. That's incredible, isn't it? What happened to your parents? Are they still living? or My real parents or my foster parents? Your foster parents. That is an interesting story. So about a year ago, no, I'm sorry, it was in 1990s uh, when I graduated high school. I went to college for one year. I decided to go and visit my foster parents' home to see my mom and dad and my Jewish family. I went back to our old house where they were living. That Now remember, that's my foster home. They had, during that time, they had moved and decided to move to another, oh gosh, it was just, it was, they moved to a different city. So my foster parents were Jewish. And their daughter seen me and asked if that if that was me. And I said, hang on, hang on, I got some pictures I want to show you. I wanted, and they showed me some pictures that they had found in the house, people who had moved in. Okay, so my foster parents had moved away out of that house. But people who had moved into the house found some photos and were showing me pictures of me and my foster family that they had found in the home when I came back to visit during college. So they actually asked me to go visit their Jewish church. So I, I was like, oh, no, I, I don't, I don't think that's something that I want to do. So I started reading the Bible and writing in it. And they asked if I believe in Jesus Christ when I started reading about the Bible. And I, you know, after a while, I did go with them, and I had the little hat to put it on. And they had asked me if I wanted to go visit their Jewish church. I was like, oh, no. I do definitely find it interesting, but I cannot read that Jewish language at all. So after a few days, I, I actually went back home. I went back to my home in New York and stayed. And my foster parents had definitely accepted me. and They had moved into their own home in a different location. Uh, but I am truly thankful for my foster parents. How old was to you keep when you moved me. to New York? I was 18. 18. I was 18. And I lived there for a very long time. Wow. 
And it was definitely a challenge doing all the learning and things I needed to. And I was learning quite a bit of sign, and I do English sign language, and they were different. I was doing a lot of English signing with my foster family, but when I moved to New York, I started learning ASL, and that seriously helped my learning and education with learning the ASL part of language. Wow. (laughs) So... Tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Lord and your relationship, how that grew and developed with God, your relationship with God. So my wife and I had went to a harvest camp in Tennessee, I believe it was. Remember, this is an, understand this is an independent Baptist church that we were going to. My wife was just bawling and crying, and she had accepted the Lord. And my father-in-law, my father-in-law was a deacon, I was like, what happened? Who hurt my wife? I was ready. You know, I was upset. (laughs) Who hurt her? Why is she crying? And when we got into the hotel room, I was like, are you okay? And then she informs me of everything. Started thinking about it. I was like, huh, wow, that's some positive thinking there. That was in 1991. And then we went to college for about a year, two years. And there was a deaf student over there who told me he was a deaf pastor. He was cussing like crazy. Like, what? I never heard a deaf pastor cuss. (laughs) I grew up hearing and hearing pastors. So we go forward, and I realized that I needed to accept, not only in my mind, but also in my heart. And especially when I, after I saw my wife crying, it happened in July 2005 when I accepted the Lord. And then in November of 2005, God told my wife, no. I'll explain why. Hang on. I'll explain why. (laughs) And then in the next month, December 2005, I was watching TV. It was Dr. Charles Stanley. You know who? The writer of that Mm -hmm. book? Very famous writer, yes. I was watching TV with him, and I was watching it before I went to church. I was watching, and I decided to ask my wife if if she had that book. It's Lifeway, and they had it in the store. So I decided to go ahead and go buy that book, and I started reading this book. I believe that was the name of that book. So I was reading and reading and reading. I read the entire thing. I read all of it. And then I decided to go ahead and read it again. So I asked my wife, honey, honey, um, you, what do you see in me? She's like, what do you mean? You know, I go to church and I'm nice and, and I come home and I seem upset. She said, yeah, it's because something's missing in your heart. I'm like, huh? Huh. So I went back and started reading that book again. After the finished the second time, I read it again a third time, and the Lord showed me. So I read it again, fourth time, halfway, and I asked her I asked her the same question, and she said, you know the answer yourself. Oh, I just started bawling because I had missed so much, and I had tried to have it my way. It didn't bother me. It, nothing I was doing gave me full joy and gave me full peace. He was, I had to learn he was enough, and I couldn't be two-faced anymore. So I asked God to give me what I needed to change, to give me peace so that I know that you are the true person who died for me. It completely changed my life. And then that next month, February, I decided to go ahead and buy another book. When your apathy is strong and you have to accept it into yourself. That was in 2006 in February. And so that's when I decided to buy the other book when apathy affects so i was reading reading through that and god confronted me you had actually preached a message to the congregation 
about that. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember that message? No. Uh, yeah, I think you preached it again last Sunday. It was about apathy. We have to focus on the Lord and not focus on all the things that are going on around us. I remember that message big time that God confronted me about this. Mm. And he told us, I'm going to move you to Winston-Salem. And I was like, uh, why me? What do you think is in Winston-Salem? There's a pastor and pastor's wife there that will help you. You don't have to worry about all the people that are there. Those two will be able to help you. So I was like, okay. And I wrote it down and I put it in the book. And I was like, we'll see. We'll see. And so my wife came in and I said, hey, come here. Come here. Now, I, I wrote this down and I hit it. And I said, you know, it's funny. God just told me. And my wife said, nope. I already know. We're going to move. And I was like, uh, okay. My wife asked me, what's up? What'd you write on the note that you hid? So I pulled it out and I gave it to my wife and she opened up and read it. And she said, you know, it's best. He knows best. And I told her, we don't have the money. We can't, we don't have the money. We're trying to save for retirement and everything. And she said, no, we're going to do what God said. But remember, my wife told God, no. God had already told my wife that we were going to move to Winston-Salem. And she looked at him and said, no, I'm tired. I'm sick of moving around all the time because my dad was in the military but if you want us to move you have to tell my husband and then the next month and then two months later in february god called us to move i before that i was not ready to move we definitely didn't have the money we didn't have the support to move all the way to winston-salem that is what god showed me if you believe in me you'll be willing to obey me what did i do to noah he trusted me and i told him what to do he had to be willing. He had to have the heart. And so I said, okay, we're going to go ahead. So my wife and I got ready and we didn't have, we didn't know where school, no jobs. We didn't know what we were going to do, but God provided everything. Everything just opened up blessings and uh, the increase. And I just, I can't explain how God planned for us to come here for, with our family. It was truly a big step of faith. And then I met Pastor Kent. Kent Oviet. Oviet. I could see how that pa- how pastor and his wife definitely helped us. He was the perfect pastor for me and my wife at that time at that Baptist church. He helped us to learn confidence in him to lead us through to te- through his teaching and his preachings. I am thankful for my brother Kent. For so many years he taught us so much in a hearing church. I really appreciate that church and that support and that connection. That's a blessing. And then you ended up coming here to Triad uh, a few years ago and really literally uh, were a catalyst for our deaf ministry. And it started to take off really when you were here. We had some people in place that were doing deaf ministry, but we didn't even hardly have any deaf. And so really um, when they started to come and then you came, it really gave a new dynamic. It helped create a Sunday school class. It helped create a camaraderie with the other deaf. So, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, Tan, I just want to say you've been a blessing to me for a ministry I never even envisioned. Tell us a little bit about... Thank me. Thank him. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about um, our ministry here at the church and some of the things that if someone in the deaf community wanted to get involved and wanted to worship here, what are some ways they could do that? Wow. Really? So what do you mean by that question? Can you expand a little well, bit Well, I just meant to tell a little bit about our worship experience on Sunday morning, what we offer on Sunday evenings, and then Sunday school. Sunday school are kind of, as well as uh, you guys do some activities and some fellowship uh, things together. Expound on that a little bit for those who may be interested in connecting with us here at the church. We're deaf. 
Really, I asked uh, God to help me to open up this ministry with the deaf a little bit more. So if people are confused and, and want to help or want to share with us, I really encourage them to do so. Just come on over, ask. Um, you don't have to pull anyone away. Just come over and talk with us. You could talk with me or my wife. If you're curious about the church, a lot of people ask us if we have a deaf pastor. I say, no, no, not yet, but we have good interpreters. And if you're wanting to learn, you be patient with us, and they could just show up if they want to. We have Bible studies if you desire to learn more. It's more like a, a small group that come together, and we're happy to have anyone if you want to help, if they don't have something at their home church. I'm happy to go and, and explain in their home the Bible if they want. And sometimes the friend connections are also very important. If you have friends who want to come, come on. We have interpreters who can... We have some that are still working and graduating through school. You have to be a shepherd in this situation because there's a lot of sheep. Some haven't accepted all the way. Some have. And if you're not sure, you can always ask the pastor and he, an interpreter can help you to set up an interview and conversation with the pastor if you want. But seriously, if you want to teach, it takes a long time to learn. It's not like our level, like we are now. And you have to make sure you're planting seeds. Some have accepted, some haven't accepted Christ at this time. So we just have to show them and encourage them. That's great. That's very good. Good. We have uh, two services on Sunday morning, but our 1030 service, uh, we have deaf interpreters uh, for that service, as well as they have a Sunday school class that meets about 9 or 9.15 a.m. Tan can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it does. 9.15. 9.15. And then we have a class that meets on Sunday night that's uh, led by Tan. And that's more of teaching and education, I believe. Uh, help me out like with that. Sign 5.30 sign language class at uh, 5.30 p.m. on Sunday nights. Yeah, it's an ASL class. It's more of an ASL training to improve your sign language. And then we have different levels um, for those training classes to help improve. So in case we want to call you to improve your sign language, uh, maybe you want to do educational or medical or something of that nature. But our goal is to do interpreter training to majorly help improve them. And then second, we have an ASL basics class where you're learning basic understanding. And so you can understand what's going on in case you want to communicate with any of our deaf members at the church and have conversations with them. So there's two separate different classes. Okay. And those are on Sunday nights. You can learn more about those on our website or reach out to Tan if you're interested. It's been really great having Tan with us today as our guests. I've known him and got to work with him in ministry over the, the years. And like Pastor Rob said, we're super grateful for him and for what he does here, along with the others, uh, a lot of people on that team who help as well. So we're thankful for them. If you would like more information about that, feel free to reach out to us at our church office or on our website, and we can help get you connected with that ministry. We hope you have a great week. Thanks for joining us this week on TBC Today. We want to connect with you. So make sure to visit our website, tbcnow.org, and subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend and be on the lookout for our next conversation.